Welcome to Perfusion Rockstars, episode 10. Today is Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. I'm Adam and this is Todd and we are the Perfusion Rockstar team. And we are very happy to have Cliff Balls with us today from Cleveland Clinic. Uh, and please like, comment, and subscribe. We really do appreciate our viewers and your time. So with that, we're going to uh, talk to Cliff here a little bit. We're going to review his professional experience, and we're going to ask him some professional questions, go into some personal questions, and then finish up with the standard lightning round, which Todd does a great job at. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so, uh, Cliff, thanks a lot for being here. We really appreciate your time. And if you wouldn't mind, if you could start with a little overview of your education and uh, professional experience, that'd be great. Well, I uh, got my bachelor's degree from uh, Washington Jefferson College, <laughs> small college. Uh, from there, I did graduate work at the University of Arizona, but I didn't really like chemistry all that much. So I ended up going into construction, and after doing construction for eight years, I said, you know, there's got to be a better way of making a living. A friend of mine was an anesthesiologist, and he's the one who introduced me to perfusion. So I flew up to Cleveland and you know, got to observe shadow and see what it was like. And I said, wow, this is pretty interesting. And here I am 33 years later, still doing it in Cleveland. That's great. All right. Well, thanks for the update. Yeah. So you, you kind of gave a kind of a brief overview of my first question, but I'd still like to maybe dive in a little more uh, deep about it. So could you tell us about the moment when you decided to become a perfusionist? Um, shadowing <laughs> when I got to see, you know, open heart surgery and what a perfusionist did. I said, yep, this is for me. Right. I like it short. From there on, I had to, you know, I had to take the prerequisites to get into the school. So I had to take a year off doing that, but that was pretty much it. Okay, great. Love at first sight. So, and then as far as who's been influential in your professional you can also talk about your personal life as well, but are there people specifically in your life that you uh, haven't already touched on that you'd like to acknowledge? Oh, well, back then I was single. And it wasn't until I came out of perfusion school that I finally did get married at the age of 35. So I'm sort of late to the scene as far as all that goes. All right. Yeah, I raised a couple of kids and Okay. That's been it. So your wife's been a little influential in your life, potentially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, you kind of talked about how you got into it, and you've talked about what means to you personally. But, you know, what does being a perfusionist mean to you, Cliff? Oh, um, being a perfusionist to me is trying to go into that OR every day and figure out, all right, what's the best I can do for this patient? And using my skills, you know, you, you look at each case and figure out, all right, here, we got a good game plan here. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And then, of course, as the case unwinds, it doesn't quite go to plan. <laughs> so what I really enjoy is uh, making adjustments on the fly and then having those good outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different every day. And I know you every single day. And do see a lot of different procedures there at the Cleveland Clinic, I'm sure. Yep. Yep. 
So, so Cliff, is that considered your superpower or what would, what would your students and your staff say are Cliff's perfusion superpowers? <laughs> superpowers. Uh, they call me MacGyver. <laughs> That's sort of like my nickname because, uh, yeah. you know, we have surgeons coming to us all the time with new techniques that they want to try, but they don't know what to tell the perfusionist to do. And so invariably they come to me and say, okay, this surgeon wants to do this. Like uh, integrate brain perfusion. You want to get enough flow going up through those carotids to support, you know, the brain and everything. But uh, the way he wanted to do it versus what reality was was very different. <laughs> but, you know, you figure these things out. So right. I've got a lot of uh, protocols that have been written by me at the Cleveland Clinic. That's great. How big is your perfusion team? 35. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> 35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 35. But just think, I rarely take call. <laughs> right. Because yep. it's, you know, it's distributed. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's the plus of it. So, you know, they call you MacGyver, so I'm sure you have plenty of stories. Um, oh yeah. But if you have one that sticks out, could you tell us about a moment where things went south in the OR and uh, what you did to kind of help fix the situation? Yeah, I, I got a lot of stories like that, but um, there's really three cases that stood out in my career. The first one was, uh, you know, I, I was sort of new and this high powered surgeon saw it through the right ventricle and he's screaming at anesthesia, hurry up, give heparin. And of course I slammed 30,000 into the pump, researched it and turned everything on. And we get on bypass and I take an ACT, the ACT is only 250. So I slam another 30,000 in and you know, it worked out. But in the process, once we got, you know, settled down, the nurse anesthetist bring this rookie resident anesthesia guy over and she goes, Cliff, what was your first ACT? I said, well, it was only 250, but you know, we're okay. We, I got one running right now. She turned to the rookie uh, resident and said, well, this guy just saved your life. Because back then, he had picked up a syringe of protamine. Oh, and shoot. from that day forward, we changed the practice that protamine is no longer in a syringe. It has to be put in a bag so I can't slam it. Wow. And then the next one would be uh, vacuum. And Dr. Cosgrove came to us and said, you know, look, we need." he was big in many surgeries back then invasive surgery, but he's got these big cannulas and he goes, if we put a vacuum to this stuff, you know, we can now make a small hole in small cannulas. But he had no idea how to do that. So me and a guy named Bob Foster uh, figured out basically how to do it. I did the dog lab, made the measurements, okay, we need a vacuum this much. He was up in the unit scouring, uh, you know, the chest drainage tubes and what Medtronic made was grossly inaccurate vacuum settings up there. So I'll never forget the first day that we said, okay, we're ready to do this. And Doc Cosgrove goes, okay, let's go. So we ran the first case together and it worked like a charm. And we ran the second case and it worked like a charm. We never looked back since. But yeah, you know, whenever your reputation is on the line and that surgeon's just staring at you, you know, you, of course you guys know like know what that's like. And then the third one is uh, microplasia. Uh, I, right now I work a lot with Dr. Roselli, and so my days consist of either Bentals, Davids, 
hemi arches or frozen elephant trunks. That's all I do. And when he first came, it took him a while to figure out how to do circle rest and hook up all the vessels, you know, off the arch. And using buckboard cardioplegia, we were getting horrible results. The glucose is through the roof, K's out of hand, and you're hemodiluting the patient. So he goes, have you ever heard of this micro? I said, no. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you look into microplegia and see if we can adapt it? So I got into it and uh, I developed the whole formulation that we use there. And we just published our paper, uh, I don't know, last week or so. So congratulations. Yeah. I, I've only published a couple papers. One's the vacuum and one's micro. And I think I did that. I don't know. I, you know, I co-author this stuff, but guys, I came out of kind of construction. I'm, you know, I'm not a medical type guy at all. Mm -hmm. Like you guys probably are, but, it, but anyhow, the first time I ran the micro, it worked like a charm and it worked so well that, you know, Roselli looked at me and goes, we're just going to use this all the time. And we've been doing it now for 10 years. And so now we finally published the results of that paper. That's great. That's the three things in my career that really stood out. Well, and that's why we were told to interview you because you had developed and invented several products. That was the, the words that were used that you had invented, uh, microplegia and you know vacuum and techniques for it. Um, is there anything else in your career that you've developed uh, or invented that you'd like to share with the community? No, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've done a lot of different things, but those two things were the big things that just stood out where, you know, it's the first time you're doing something completely new mm -hmm. and your reputation is on the line. And, you know, if you screw up, the surgeon's going to have a long talk with that family. And that's yes. a lot of pressure. It is. It is. But that's what drives you and probably makes you appreciate your oh, job. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 67 years old. And uh, I'm not looking to retire at all. Because I just I, I just get, I feed off the energy of trying to figure this stuff out and going in there every day and uh, being challenged. Mm -hmm. If I were in a regular setting a cabbage farm or something like that where you just did simple cases i'd be back here behind the pump wandering off looking for dandelions because my attention span is that bad but when that's the reason why i do all these hemi arches and you know the circle rest cases because yeah it's a three-hour pump run but yeah i'm busy i'm thinking right. i'm constantly making sure everything goes right so well, your bar has been raised. You're kind of like an adrenaline junkie that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an perfusion. adrenaline junkie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Well, thanks for sharing all that. Uh, we have some kind of personal questions to get to know you a little better. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, first things first, Cliff, you know, do you have any personal hobbies? Uh, oh, like yeah. Playing bass. I love to play my bass. That's what I love to do. Come home get on stairs, put on YouTube and uh, my car. I've got a, um, do you guys, you've heard of Volvo, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But do you know about the racing division of Volvo, the Pole Stars? Uh, no. It took me, it took me a year to get one, but I finally got one. They only uh, import a couple hundred a year over here. But yeah, it, it puts on over 360 horsepower out of two liters. That's 180 horsepower per liter. 
Um, does zero to 60 in a little over four seconds, does 155. So I have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. And that's basically my two hobbies right there. Well, great. Um, how long have you been playing the bass for? Well, a couple of years. Oh, okay. I took it up after the kids, you know, left the house. So we built the sunroom and my wife hides in the sunroom and I go downstairs and you know, try to have fun. That's yeah. great. I've noticed as we've gotten older, my, 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 me and my brothers, my daddy's starting to do different things as well. He's got a unicycle now. So yeah, he's, he's looking wow. for a bunch of random hobbies to fill his time. Still um, working on that one. But that's great, though. Uh, so we, you talked about the bass. This is Perfusion Rockstar. You are a rock star. What type of music genres do you like to play? With? I like um, rhythm and blues because they have a strong bass, you mm. know, component to it. Um, you know, I, I like all kinds of music. They're, you know, mostly it's going to be rock. You know, rock music is basically 12-bar blues set up. And if you know anything about music, you know, that would make sense to you. But um, that's the reason why I like playing the bass. So I, I like that particular genre. Are you able to convince the OR team to listen to blues? Yeah, every once in a while. Like, like um, well, I'm, I'm in Roselli's room all the time. And I'm a founding member of Club 73. And the reason why they call us Club 73 is Roselli likes to listen to uh, hard, heavy metal rock while we're doing these cases. And we have all these surgeons that will come in, watch what we do to learn, you know, how to do the frozen elephant trunks. And they're just amazed at the music <laughs> that, that we play during the whole thing. But the other thing they're always amazed at is that we do this every single day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they just look at us and go, how do you do that? And, you know, we just shrug our shoulders. It's what we do. You know, this is what we do at the clinic. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's the other thing that's really interesting that's going on is, you know, our team of 35 with 14 surgeons, they each have their own niche. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do what I do. But if I had to go do a robotics case with Gilanoff, it would not be pretty <laughs> because we've just turned into niches that each of us on that team were specialists. It's not like back in the old days where you did everybody and so you were a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. Now we were becoming more you know, like pigeonholed right. into what we do. Yeah, I, um, you mentioned Dr. Gilanoff. I worked with him in the 90s at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A while ago, but yeah. He's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, he's still there. He's head of our department now. He still looks young. Yeah. Uh, he looks the same as he did in the 90s. Yep. 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 Good guy. All right, Cliff. So, you know, you have a pretty extensive history in the field, and someone says, you know what? This is the guy. I want to write a book about Cliff. What's <laughs> going to be the title of that biography? MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who's going to play you uh, when they turn it into a movie because it's such a hit? Oh, geez, I have no idea. I don't know. I I don't watch television. I don't watch movies. So yeah, Maybe I you have to play yourself. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, who's the guy who played MacGyver? Pick that guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds sounds good. That's great. Yeah, the real life MacGyver. Um, uh oh, it's time. Okay, so now it's time. 
for the you know the lightning round. Uh, just kind of so you know, the way I like to do this is we're just going to start the timer. Uh, Sam starts it, uh, our editor. And uh, I'm just going to run through these questions. You just fire off your answers, and then we'll run back through them uh, and see why you did said what. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure, go ahead. All right, so we're going to start in three, two, one, start the timer. Uh, if you could travel back in time, where and when would you go? Um, geez. Uh, America, the late 1800s. All right. Favorite carnival food? Popcorn. Texting or phone calls? Oh, phone calls. <laughs> Paper or plastic? Paper. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? No. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is blank. I, 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 yeah, I just know she's a, she sings or something. I don't know. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Oh, mountains. Favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. All right. <laughs> so that's what we had um so now you travel back in time you said the 1800s in america what, yeah the late 1800s yeah what's your thought it, behind that well it's because this country was developing a lot of new technology and it was just amazing to see what they had were coming up with in in that time period and the country also was becoming a lot more prosperous it was switching from an agrarian state to manufacturing and it was well on its way so it, have you ever gone to new orleans on bourbon street that apothecary shop you go up that second floor and you see the medical instruments up there we have not. got to do it mm -hmm. i mean the medical instruments where they were sawing limbs off or or needles that were mm -hmm. so huge is unbelievable but it would be interesting for me to go back then because I'm an inventive type of person and it would have been neat to be a part of that. Yeah. Great. Great. And then uh favorite carnival food, you're going for the popcorn, huh? Yeah. Salt. <laughs> Salt. <laughs> Salt and butter. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong. It is a good combination. Um, and then texting or phone calls. Oh, uh, I hate texting. <laughs> I'd rather you'll, transfer way more information to someone by talking to them as opposed to texting. Yeah, I'll mm -hmm. definitely agree with you on that. You can get stuff done a lot quicker. Uh, just yep. an easy phone call. And then uh, paper or plastic, you're going paper. Yeah, I like paper. It's more <laughs> natural. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, and then you're, you're natural. You're obviously not too much of a natural guy. You know, you've never done socks with sandals. What's that about? Why would you wear socks with sandals? I mean, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. If it's warm enough out that you're wearing sandals, why would you wear socks and make your feet all sweaty? Well, uh, Good answer. Yeah. I wore them in uh, high school. Some people started wearing socks with flip-flops. It was kind of yeah. like a sports thing, but I kind of regret the look. I don't think it looks very good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Taylor Swift. You seem to... I have I, I I don't know what to tell you about Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, she is a musician. She uh, she yeah. kind of plays a lot of pop slash country. Yeah, you probably know, you probably don't listen to too much. In the right. I don't listen to yeah. Um, and then uh, Beach the Mountains. 
Um, oh, the mountains without a doubt, because they're way more diverse. I used to work in construction and I worked on a lot of mansions in Virginia Beach and uh, the Outer Banks and whatnot. And I guess spending all that time there, to me, the beach is boring because it's pretty much all the same. Mm -hmm. um, but the mountains are w much more diverse. There's a lot more things to do there from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Good perspective. That's a good way to think about good it. Answer. Um, and now your favorite holiday is coming up soon. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Food. <laughs> I love turkey. <laughs> yeah. That's always good. Turkey and family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's great. That's great. So yeah, that's our, that's our lightning round. Uh, I appreciate you, you going through that and kind of explaining. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say? Well, I was just going to say, Cliff, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about yourself that you'd like people to know, whether it's your family or perfusion students or colleagues that may come across this recording? Um, mostly my family and what I, it would be for uh, future generations that they'll see who I am. Of course, I couldn't figure out how to make the video work. Yeah, we couldn't That's get Cliff's class, all right. Couldn't get Cliff's webcam working, but we are going to have a nice uh, headshot of you, a glamour shot that you're going to send us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I got to send you a photograph, huh? <laughs> and our editor, he'll touch it up for you. Yeah. You look the best. <laughs> <way> you look. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks right. a lot, Cliff. We appreciate your time. Uh, have a great day. Yeah, you too. And, uh, we really appreciated getting to know you a little better. It's been enjoyable. We hope to see you around at a Perfusion Conference sometime in the future, live, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be nice. All right. So, All right, uh, see ya. Yeah, keep the fusion rocking. See you next time.